We Love Hip Hop podcast is proudly sponsored by the Youngsterdam Lounge, located at 529 Young Street. Open Monday to Sunday, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. For great food, drinks, music, and sporting events, check out the Youngsterdam Lounge. Young Street just got more chill. All right. You good? All right. So we are back. We're doing a little bit of a special thing. It's the world's, well, I guess not a smoked out podcast today. We love hip hop. I'm your host with the most toast Friday, Ricky Tread, <laughs> um, aka Keep It Keep It Clean today. <laughs> and uh, to it's the right me, of me, aka Hey Herx, SSC underscore Hey Herx underscore PK on Instagram. Today we're live at a venue, so we're not going to be smoking down the place. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I did come with a couple of pre rolls. Yeah, pre pre rolls have to go. On. It's pre roll season today. You know what I'm saying? So we'll be stepping outside, but we're just going to be here covering this interview with the third year. What is it? So it's the seventh year oh, anniversary seventh year, of the FU slash Forgiveness Project. Shout out to um, to Tara Muldoon. Um, shout out yeah, to shout Cola. Out to Tara. Shout um, out to Cola holding down the door. Yeah, that's uh, We Love Hip Hop Alumni, as, as, as we like to call them. Last month, we had them on Ladies Month in October. Um, there's a special event going on today. We got no malice that's going to be in here, and hopefully, 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 we can squeak out an interview. Hopefully, maybe we get a couple of questions and make it a quick hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but yeah, so stay tuned. I don't know if we're gonna do a live. Are we gonna do a live? I'm, I'm gonna try to bring it for no Instagram live. Hopefully you know, they do let it go on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we'll see how they go on with the cameras. But if you do it live, I think you should do it live from your feed. Mm. And then next week we'll go. We go crazy, we'll crazy, go crazy yeah. off of the We Love Hip Hop. Yeah, um, I want everybody to remember: please subscribe, yo. Hit the subscribe button over there in the corner. You know what I mean? You'll get notifications for when all the new episodes drop. You'll be able to get playlist galore of the show. So you know, we, we bring this for the people, yo. It's it's a, it's a thing. And don't forget, we're still giving away that Canagar. We've reached our thousand follower mark, so we're actually over a thousand followers now. Thank you. Bomb. You know what I'm saying, what's the number saying? What's the number? 10, 10 21. Oh, 10 21. Uh, well, so from when we hit a thousand, we just sort of kept going. So, yeah, Kanagar time. Kanagar will be chosen soon. But the task at hand, we're gonna see if we can get that no malice see if we interview. Get that no malice interview, you know what I'm saying? Formerly from the clips, yeah, 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 yeah. formerly malice of the clips. He's not now no malice. So, hopefully, we get that interview. Uh, keep your fingers crossed. Yeah. Because, you know, we love the people. And we and love, we hip-hop. love hip-hop. Today, we're the pre-rolled show. <laughs> Most pre-rolled podcast. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Episode yeah. 44? 43. 43. 43. <laughs> All right. Cool. Aye. Peace. Cheers. You guys can each answer individually. Um, from the point of incarceration to sitting here in front of people, being willing to actually have a conversation about forgiveness, because I mean, especially uh, coming from those circumstances, when you talk about forgiveness, I'm sure we've all gone through situations where you've encountered somebody or you've gotten into conflict and you didn't think that 
forgiveness was even a possibility to consider, let alone sitting here talking in front of a room full of people about forgiveness. So what was your experience uh, before you encountered the Forgiveness Project and how has it affected your life to that brings you here today? Well, um, this is starting when I was in the penitentiary, a mentee through a friend of mine, the uh, somewhere in this audience, and um, he first told me about this program. Uh, somebody named T has written this, written this program. And I was um, kind of skeptical. I was already in my uh, my own mind frame, um, very like uh, institution, institutionalized. So I didn't really give it too much thought at first. And uh, later on, we'll talk in and um, keep bringing her up or whatever the case may be. And, I might throw it. I'm gonna holler at and see what's up. So uh, I started talking to her. She started telling me what she's doing, what she's about. And um, I was done with it after a while, right? Throughout my whole incarceration, too, was um, the whole forgiveness thing with me. It was um, I, I hated decisions that I made that brought me to the position that I was in at that point in time, right? Uh, throughout my 20s. I spent about, say, like two, th three fourths of my twenties incarcerated, you know, and um, that really bothered me. Obviously, you know, I mean, I was in this cycle, this crime cycle, and uh, I definitely was trying to uh, escape it. So um, it it really dwelled on me. I really dwelled on it a lot, I should say. Just, just. Um, just my decision making, my past indiscretions, you know, that really bothered me. You know what I mean? Being in the position that I was in at that point in time. And uh, I definitely read a lot of books. I talked to T, and uh, she definitely helped me out through that bit. And um, that's, where I'll, that's how our relationship started. And uh, I got out, I definitely stayed in contact with her, and um, now I'm here now. So I mean, and you, you kind of you touched on an important point there because a lot of times, like even when we're talking about forgiveness, you're not even thinking about forgiving yourself for mistakes you may have made, and you, you kind of dwell on those things, and you know, and you forget to be like, you know, I'm capable, I'm, you know, I'm capable of making mistakes, and I deserve forgiveness for the mistakes that I've made because a lot of times, sometimes it's the circumstances that you were in that may have forced you to make decisions that you would not have made otherwise. So. How did you come to a place of being able to forgive yourself for the mistakes that you made? Um, I guess just really, really um, reading a lot of self-help books, talking with um, good people, having a good support, support, support uh, base while I was incarcerated, and um, yeah, just having conversations. Mm. I mean, and having them enlighten me on certain things and what whatnot, right? Mm. So. That's basically how I started my journey on self-forgiveness. Even to this day, it's kind of difficult. I still dwell on certain things. I'm out here, my daughter's five right now. I missed out on significant moments of her life. So to this day, it still bothers me, but I'm definitely moving forward mm. with this whole self-forgiveness thing. Cool, what about you, uh, Mary? Um, for me, I would guess this more started for me when I met Tara actually this year. And I wasn't really engaged in the program like that. She might came out of her way a little bit to me. 
Uh, I wasn't really open to it at first. I did discuss it. I was open-minded to what's going on, but as of like actually being engaged at first, I wasn't really too taken to it. But then after, I guess a while of just seeing how compassionate Terry is about what she's doing and and how involved she is and how much she cares, and she just kept at me. I just came around and. Tara will wear you down. <laughs> definitely, She's definitely. Very determined. So you know, it's nothing but good energy and love. So you know, it's how can I come around and hear her out? And she told me when I get out, we'll talk and we'll see each other and see what's going on and a whole bunch of good stuff been going on. So uh, you know, T, it's good to see you. <laughs> and Troy. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I got involved with the FU program when I was in the South. I was, I was there at the beginning of the year. And um, I just think uh, like from the forgiveness program, kind of kind of helped me out a lot. Before the forgiveness program, I wasn't really into too much forgiveness. <laughs> and um, yeah, it kind of helped me out a lot. And certain things that are going on right now, if it wasn't for the program, I think it would be a lot different. I wouldn't be here right now. So things happen for a reason too, right? So mm -hmm. um, I like to say like God is good. Things do happen for a reason and there's a reason that we meet up with certain people in our life. Have you um since since being out and, and being able to maneuver, have you kind of had any experiences or come across anybody or, 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 or think back to a situation where um like you were saying like there was a moment. In, there was a point in your life where you weren't necessarily thinking about or considering forgiveness as an option. Have you been able to forgive somebody from your past, with or without an apology, uh, based on on these discussions about forgiveness that you've had? Um, yeah, I think me personally. I guess everybody's different, but me personally, I feel like uh, for me to truly forgive somebody, I don't really need an apology for them. I just need a like peace of mind, so I don't really need to. Uh, I don't need them to to apologize to me if I if I feel like you know I can get over it. But um, like in my life, there's a lot of situations where I could say there's times where forgiveness was needed and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't used. And um, there was one time where I have a friend. He he got shot, and we went to see him in the hospital, and. I wasn't too in the forgiveness, the forgiveness mode, and he 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 kind of just told me like, sticky, you know, like uh, just be good, be good, please. And he lost a little weight, so he's like, yo, this is, you know, this is a good thing. I lost weight. He was, I was trying to lose weight, so <laughs> yeah, I lost a little weight, so it kind of like, um, it was it was him how he he dealt with it. He kind of used it and showed me that's a that's a big man right there, you know. Mm. Yeah. I, I remember that. I remember you shared. That was like, I think it was the fifth week of our program there where you were telling us the story about how, you know, he basically was saying, I don't want you guys to retaliate. And how did that affect you? It, it crushed me because I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand where he was coming from at the time. Mm. Like I thought he was, I thought he was soft. He was a punk, you know? Yeah. And, but he was uh he was, he was smart. He was, he, was, he was at peace with himself, you know? Yeah. And I guess um, 
can't always, when, when's it gonna end? Yeah. When's it gonna end, right? So right. I was like, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I think that's the ultimate forgiveness right there. What about you, Alex? Like, have you ever, have you had the, the inclination to forgive somebody that wronged you in the past, or even when you talk about yourself, or has there been any situations now reflecting on it, saying, I'm ready or I'm on the path to forgiving that person, perhaps? Um, yeah, it's just definitely a process, you know, because there's definitely a lot of situations in which where um, certain individuals crossed me a particular way where uh, I felt that I had to retaliate, right? So, um, and um, I'm step, definitely still working with it, and I mean, dealing with it. And um, yeah, the forgiveness thing is definitely a process. I try to just take it day by day, right? And um, just go from there, basically. No, I was saying, have you have you had to, have you been able to reflect on somebody or some situation in the past that uh, you would never have considered forgiving that person? Have you been able to perhaps come to that realization of, of forgiveness at this point? Yeah, at this point, there has there has actually even to this moment a situation. Someone I talked to, I have, I guess, begin to at least feel like I should kind of work towards some type of friendship, your relationship with the person. So yeah, this has helped. How, how, what's, what steps have you kind of taken to, to come to that? The steps I've taken to come to that is just being more open to just even listening to the person before I would just more close any type of conversation or any type of discussion about chilling or, or just any type of anything that's involving me and him talking like that. So. After I know a few times being with Tara and her talking about forgiveness and chances, just like I looked at it like, okay, it's not that serious or life ending what the person did, so why not hopefully think there might be some type of a good friendship this person I've been around to my whole life, so mm-hmm. maybe that person might be around a lot a whole longer instead of just not really talking to that person no more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kinda of what I came to with that. So in terms of um, uh, when we talk about these situations in in, um, in jail, uh, Tara, uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with the story, I'm gonna let her tell it. But when when we uh, we talk about forgiveness, and a lot of times, I mean, you're sitting in jail, so you're sitting there in a group of you know men, hard back men, that are just sitting there talking about you know the forgiveness project. Like, what is this all about? And then. Tara tells her story and then the sh- how she was able to forgive the person who, you know, took, you know, I didn't even want to go into the details of it, but just, I mean, for me alone, that story of forgiveness, uh, how she was able to forgive her attacker uh, <laughs> and how that empowered her, like how, how did her story, because that was always the, the, the situation that I felt like when she told that story, everybody kind of softened up like, wow. If you are able to forgive the person who attacked you, damn, we gotta put those on silent. Um, you know, if she was able to do it, then that ought to, for me, that that elevated the possibility of me being able to forgive somebody who crossed me. How did how did that story impact you? How did that, how did that impact you when you when you first heard about it? I'm not gonna lie. When I heard it, I was a little surprised because there's been stuff 
a lot, a lot less than that. That I was like, uh, uh-uh, I'm done with this person. Yeah. And then I hear, I hear Taylor's story, and I'm like, oh, wow. Mm. So you know, it was very big. It was definitely, it was even empowering for me to hear that story because that's not something you hear a lot. Or definitely, that's something a lot of people probably even go their whole life without hearing. So mm. yeah, it was big for me. It was definitely empowering. It was definitely made me do more thinking too. So yeah, it did a lot for me. After hearing her story was was actually crazy. Just um, her telling me you know, what happened and the whole scenario and whatnot, and um, just helps me keep things in perspective with my situations and certain uh, situations I have with people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if she could uh, go through what she went through and forgive those people, why can't I do the same, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like we kind of. Um, we definitely blow a lot of things out of proportion in our daily lives with individuals that we come across, friends or whatever the case may be. So after hearing that story, it just helped me really keep things in perspective, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. With uh, my past interactions mm-hmm. with uh, people that felt me wrong and stuff like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, somebody went through, never know what they went through, and now they deal with it, because I think Terry's very strong, what she went through and stuff, and I was thinking a lot about my kids too, you know, so I, I, in that situation, I don't know what I would have done, I don't know, you mm-hmm. know, it mm-hmm. takes, takes a big person to, to forgive. Every time it happened, everybody afterwards would be like, yo, just tell us a name, give us a license plate. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this guy? And it was it's uh, it, it's so interesting to see uh, you know a group and I mean you know this is this was uh, this is a jail, it's not the penitentiary, so a lot of guys are still in there waiting for trial and whatnot. But it's so interesting to see how people who are you know in in jail for a crime, perpetrating a crime uh, allegedly, uh, re- respond to somebody who's a victim of crime, and it's like. It becomes a situation of like you know what is justifiable, what is not justifiable, what is acceptable, what is forgivable, and we have that discussion too. It's like uh, you know forgiveness is for me. It's I, I wouldn't say it's limitless. I I do feel even in and I, I don't want to take away from the theme of forgiveness, but I do feel like there's I still struggle. Let me just say that with the uh, that there is some aspects of uh, you know behaviors. That are unforgivable, you know. It's it's funny how you mentioned that because when she um, first mentioned that to me, I was my reaction was the same. I was like, "What does dude look like? Where, where you at?" Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like seriously, and she was just like, "No, it's not even like that. I forgive him for what he did." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was just I was taken away by all that. Yeah. Like seriously. So, um, as I said again, it really helps me think about my past scenarios and my past situation with certain individuals. Yeah. Just keep it in perspective. I, I, and I think that perspective is important. One of the things, like, I remember the first time I, when I we did the first program, I, you know, needless to say, pretty intimidating. You're walking into a jail. You don't know what the personalities are. You know, I've done, like, I've been to a Kingston pen before and did a performance, so, but I, my experience there was very limited, so I didn't really know 
how people would respond to this conversation. You walk into a jail, talk about forgiveness, and everybody's like, forgive me, I deserve forgiveness, you know? Um, but I think the, what you pointed out is very powerful, which is I think that that's why, that's what keeps me pushing forward at the jail program, because conversations like this, especially among young men, are conversations that are not regularly had. You know what I mean? Talking about forgiveness, talking about letting things go and moving and moving past. So, um, and one of the biggest issues a lot of guys will, you know, very prideful is they're not going to say it in public in a group setting, but on the side they'd be like, you know, I'm gonna get if I get out, how do I stay <laughs> away from what got me in here? when you're going back to the same neighborhood and the same group of people that are basically running in the same circles doing the same thing. So how, what are the challenges that y'all are facing in terms of like trying to stay on this path of, you know, you know coming, through, like going through this and getting to this point and not going back and looking and continuing to move forward? Well, for me, it's about growth. Um, I spent, as I said, a significant amount of time in prison and jail and, um, reading a lot of books, and um, did a lot of growing. Mm. You see what I'm saying, mentally, <coughs> physically. And yeah, my experience is just like, while I was in a pen, sitting down in my cell, it's like, where has my decision got me? Mm. Throughout the whole time, doing whatever I'm doing, whether it's selling drugs, robberies, or whatever the case may be, the end result was always jail, you know what I mean? So everything that I tried to gain, I mean, financially and all that stuff, led me back to a cell, so that, that just really, um, I just really had to change my whole perspective, my whole thinking, you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of what uh, led me to start, like, thinking about this cycle that I'm in and how am I gonna break it, you know what I mean? So definitely speaking with Tia a whole lot and other people definitely helped me um, I guess, uh, changing my mind frame, mm -hmm. pertaining to certain things, right, so. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I wouldn't really say it was that hard because a lot of the times when I was there by myself, it just, it was pretty easy. I was there by myself, so I just remember when I was out that no one's really there except me by myself when times get hurt, so. It just makes more sense to just more be around those people, the few that are there or that are supportive. And yeah, it wasn't really much thinking for me to do. At times where I was young and I was getting older, I didn't really have much guidance and the people that weren't really telling me good and I seen that it was nothing good as I started to learn more, I just kind of would just distance myself. So it wasn't too hard for me. Can, can you reword the, the question I got with No, I was just saying, um, just in terms of uh, having these conversations, like when, you get, when you're getting out of jail and you're trying to stay out of the same situations that put you in jail, um, having these conversations with the people that you know, you're trying to stay away from, how, how did you navigate that when you're, you know, a lot of times coming out of jail, you're like, you know, going back into the same circumstances, how do you change your life if you can't change the circumstances that you're, that you're going back to? That's a question I, I that's a question I'm trying to ask right now because it's been it's been kind of hard since I got out. A lot of stuff's been happening. Um, the last couple friends since I got out, I only talked to like two, three people, and two of them is gone now. 
So it's like, um, it's kind of hard to deal with, you know? And it seems like everything, everything's kind of pushing you back to the old, the old ways. And it's like, you have to kind of learn from, really learn from your mistakes. And if you want, if you want better, you have to do better, right? Yeah. So, um, it's hard. I'm still learning, learning. I'm still learning, right? Well, we got a huge community yeah, of people yeah. here to support you guys. And before we, uh, Malice is uh, in the building. I just want to open up the floor if anybody has any questions. We have well, we have five minutes to take a couple of questions from the audience. Anyone? Um, with you having to do with the penitentiary, how was the parole process? Oh, I'm still going through parole. I'm on parole right now. Actually. I'm on a fresh L. You know, for two months right now. So the parole process, it is. It, very difficult. The adjustment is very difficult, but it also depends on the staff that you have. That plays a huge role in whether you go back. Some of them, they just don't like you for whatever reasons, and they try to violate you for whatever reason because they have 100% control over you, right, until your warrants up. So it all depends on your staff and also your behavior and your mind frame, right? Like my mind frame right now is just, I'm just gonna do whatever I gotta do to try and uh, get off this situation. Right, but I was definitely blessed to have a good PO, good mm. staff, you know what I mean, that's really trying to help me, you know what I mean, and try to pull me on a particular path, a good path in which I want to be on right now anyways, right? Definitely. So, um, yeah, that's that plays a big role. But also your mind frame too, because you could have a bad PO, and you have a bad mind frame, and you know what I mean, you still want to do some criminal shit, or whatever the case may be, and you're going to get caught up easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so, but if you have a bad PO and you're thinking straight, you're not gonna make whatever she's saying divert you to, you know what I'm saying? So, but it's easy to get caught up though. You gotta really be focused on your goals. Facts. I mean, so yeah. Question right there? Yeah. Yeah, um, like, you know how you guys see me running the bank, you guys see me back all day. You guys like feel like you feel this forgiveness only because you, like, you guys got caught, and I mean like because of the consequences. If you're running the same consequences, mm -hmm. think you still feel the same way? Well, probably not. Mm -hmm. Honestly, probably not. But like my whole experiences, you know, what I mean, of me going through what I went through and the whole amount of time that I did in jails and whatnot, led me to. Uh, <coughs> I definitely have to forgive myself because I dwell on that a whole lot. I'm saying so. That's that was um that was, that was my that was my part. Yeah. Um, to answer your question, if I never got caught, I think I probably might have done stuff differently. Still, even if I didn't get caught, because I've always been a little bit of a thinker and I feel a way about stuff sometimes. So I think maybe uh I'll still be into forgiveness. In terms of employment, like how has that been since that you got out? Like has it been like? In terms of employment for me, I, it hasn't really been hard. I know a few people that either own businesses or they help people get jobs, so employment hasn't been bad. Um, it's been kind of kind of rough, I guess. I'm on Indeed trying to send out my resumes and. They asking if I got a criminal record, and it's like, oh, the foot locker. No, no, I'm not with that. No, I'm not with that. But it's um, I'm actually in the construction field right now, so yeah, that's what's up with me. All right, uh, sorry guys, we have we have to wrap it up. We gotta 
we got to keep it pushing. Please, a round of applause for these gentlemen. Appreciate y'all for coming and sharing your story with these people. If you feel like your sock game is getting kind of boring, you know what I mean, wearing that same old out of the package eight, eight in a pack sock packs, man, you need to step your sock game up. Check out my people at Six Socks Toronto. If you want to know how to get onto them, check them out on Twitter or Instagram at Reed underscore Craig. That's R-E-I-D underscore C-R-A-I-G. Six Socks Toronto. That's what's up. Hello, everyone. How you guys doing? Good, good? Yeah. We'll try to keep it loud on this side so you guys will nod off while I talk. I'm all new to the interviewing thing. I've been on that side before. I've never been on this side. So there's a lot of qualified faces here that should be doing this. I see you guys here. I'm really, really uh, thankful for uh, having this opportunity, though. I'm going to try my best uh, to make it worth your time. And thank you all for coming down tonight. I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah, do you want to say hello to us? Absolutely, absolutely. I just want to, you know, thank everybody for, for coming out, um, having halfway interest in anything that I may have to say. Um, I hope it's edifying. I know it will be for me, and it's just good to be here, and um, I'm ready to share. 100%. Okay, you guys might see the phone out. I'm not searching Instagram. I am checking answers. So, uh, like I said, I'm a rookie, so I just want to make sure I cover everything here. Um, right off the top, I got to ask, and I personally am attached to these sort of questions. What's the one question? If you have more than one, that's fine. What is the one question you do not want to be asked anymore for the rest of your life? Because <laughs> I'm sure you got something that you just consistently get asked, and like, here we go again. You know, actually, it's, it's nothing I really have a problem with. You cool. know what I'm saying? Um, most people ask about the, the reunion of my brother and myself, the Clips, or whatever. And, um, and I understand why, you know, uh, we had an excellent catalog, a lot of good music that we have put out, uh, but that was for that time. So, you know, I'm somewhere else with it right now. For sure. I'll put away this stack of questions. All right, for sure. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, if you want, uh, I'm sure everybody here is pretty much familiar with the clips and with No Malice, Malice, Pusha T's, you know, historical influence on the game, on the industry of uh, rap music. Uh, but if you want, you can feel free to give them a quick rundown on, you know, your background or just, you know, a quick two-minute bio if you want, just kind of what brought you here today. You know what I mean? I know it's hard to sum it all up really quickly, but if, you know, you can kind of let them know exactly who you are if yeah. they don't happen to know. Absolutely. Uh, for those that don't know, uh, I used to be in a, in a hip-hop rap group. It consists of uh, my brother and myself. Uh, we went by the name Clips. A lot of people think it's The Clips, but no, it's just actually Clips, that's it. We figured people would add The Clips whenever they said it, so we just kept it as Clips. Uh, we had a, a, a pretty good run from uh, 2002 to like 2010, 11, around that, you know, was when I kind of made my exit. I had a radical uh, life change, transformation, experience. And uh, where I gave my life to the Lord, um, I realized that a lot of the things that we were championing, um, a lot of things that we were promoting, uh, a lot of things that, that we held with high regard, uh, it did a lot of hurt, you know, a lot of hurt, especially to um, people that were very close to us. So I got to see firsthand 
uh, the things that, that we were talking about and, and celebrating, I seen when it came back and indictments were handed down, families were ruined and, you know, just a, a, a whole bunch of, um, I guess, uh, uh, ramifications, if you will, uh, that, that played a part in our life that we got to experience and I just, I have to be able to live with myself. So even though the things we talked about were true, I believe we did it a little bit too well and I don't believe that it deserved to be held in such a high regard. So, you know, uh, I have this life change, so I'm making different music now and doing different things. Perfect, perfect. So I appreciate that. Um, uh, we're definitely gonna get into more of that for sure. Um, what I wanted to kind of know really quickly is just how you and Tara and the Forgiveness Project kind of connected for the first time. Because this is not the first time you've either been here right. for, for this reason. So uh, right. you know, what's your history there with uh, the Forgiveness Project? Well, well, Tara and I, uh, we go back over 10 years. Uh, we go back, you know, when I was uh, with the Clips and Neil Forrester promoted a lot of our shows and, you know, things of that nature. And so... Uh, with my experience, I wrote a book. It's entitled Wretched, Pitiful, Poor, Blind, and Naked. Uh, my man. So, so Tara, um, you know, she reached out to me and uh, told me that she uh, works with the forgiveness group. She told me that she also works uh, with, the, with the people in the prison, the uh, inmates in the prison at uh, South Detention Center, which we went by there today, had an amazing time, uh, had amazing talks. Those guys over there are phenomenal. Um, we just shared a lot of hope, you know, and those guys gave me a lot of great information and, and encouraged me as well, so it was really good. And uh, we just been working hand in hand. And for those that, I'm sure everybody knows you here, right? Yeah. It, more than I gotta praise you a little bit. Seven years, seven years. Yeah, you know, so I, I had the good fortune of being here last year. You know, I see a, a few familiar faces or whatever that were very gracious to me last time. And, um, you know, so I'm here again, and uh, I just I hope I don't bore you, and I just hope we have a good time. Uh, we'll make sure to keep it moving, so uh, we cover pretty much everything. Honestly, for the last since Tara told me about this, I've been trying to stay, trying to do as good as a job as I can with whatever I'm doing. I'm sure you will. So yeah, so when we came, uh, when this came about, I was just like, I want to make sure I cover all angles I took in the book. He also has a documentary on Netflix called The End of No Mal or The End of Malice. Right. It's incredible. If uh, you really want to take you. the story in top to bottom, that's something I recommend. And the book is something I recommend too. That's just not because he's here. I would say that to anybody outside the room too. So wow. definitely check it. So uh, I'm just gonna try to get into it. It's not gonna be in any linear order because I've just been a mess all week. So I'm just trying to knock it. <laughs> um, I want to go as far back as I can as far as getting into the game and both games. What kind of hit you first, the interest to get into rhyming or the interest to get into hustling? Is there one that started before the other? Yeah, rapping, I was always a fan of hip hop uh, from a young age, I think about seven. I have an older brother. We were born in the Bronx and uh, you know, my brother, he was just a, a, a fan of hip hop. Uh, I looked up to him and you know, he was in the whole culture and, and, and the dressing and the you know, break dancing and the graffiti. So, you know, just looking up to your older brother, that was my introduction to, to hip hop. That's, yeah, and uh, just so you guys know, because I didn't honestly know, I swore you guys were either twins or maybe a year apart at most. You guys, you're five years older than Pusha? Right, right. That's I just I tell know. everybody he's older than me and they believe it, yeah. but yeah. Between you and me, he looks older than you. You've got the baby face still, so you- A little bit, yourself, all right, man. all right. I'll take it, all right. I ain't mad, I'll take it. But I was actually referring to, I have an older brother. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have an right. older that's brother. That's right, too. That, that, yeah, yeah, it's, it's three boys and one girl. Gotcha, gotcha, right. 
Are you still in touch with everybody? Everybody's good. Absolutely. Yep. Family's family. That's good. That's good. You stay in touch. Um, getting into uh, you know the industry and everything. Uh, when you started kind of hustling and doing it, how long would you say that run went for? You kind of gave us the details on the music run. How long would you say the deal and hustling side went for? Hustling started since 15 years old. And then got right as you were getting into the music, so that would be like... All the way into the music, and it got better because the music brought more money so you can get into other things for with sure. more money. You okay, know. so yeah. continued after that, which has a long yeah. run, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, would you say that... Um, this is an odd question, but is there any sort of abilities that you learn as a hustler that you still apply day to day now, whether it be, you know, assessing the situation, judging people, you know, quickly, uh, math, <laughs> if it's that, whatever it is that you use on a day to day now, is there yeah, something yeah. that you kind of took from those days that you still apply every day now? Like, do you find yourself saying, wow, I can't believe I learned that skill doing something like that? Well, I would, I would say just the mere fact that I've always been very observant uh, extremely analytical since a child. I think uh, what that's what made us good at hustling. Sure. You know, and uh, even at um, when I had joined the army right out of high school, uh, I knew that's when you know I had got word that my brother was running in the same arenas that I was running with, running with the same people that I was running with. You know, he's coming up as as I graduate, he's coming up right under me. And uh, I really didn't even have a a real concern or worry for him because I felt like we thought a lot alike. He knew how to watch his back. I knew how to watch my back. So I didn't even have those super concerns like be careful. Yeah. Um, we all grew up together. It was a bunch of our friends. And how we started hustling, it was community. It wasn't like strangers. These was friends and you know people that we knew and yeah, neighbors and all of that. So For sure. Okay. Yeah. I could see. Uh, when you were, you mentioned the Army too. That's, that was something crazy when I read the book and you brought that up. You have kind of like a Forrest Gump thing about you where you were in the army and that's not even a big deal. I would have made four records about that. Yeah, is, there yeah. anything, is, there, like, is that is that any sort of like uh, you know life changing moments or crazy things that you just never happened to bring up that happened while you were in that uh, as well? Or is no, I, I came and went? no, but you know I joined the army thinking it was gonna give me some kind of stability and even in the army i hustled in the army it was just like riding a bike if you know how to make an extra dollar you do it yeah. you know what i'm saying sure. but um no it was it was two years i joined for two years 23 weeks when i went to sign up uh i remember in the in the reception station the the recruit the recruiter had asked me he said so are you signing up for eight years and a, Back to being analytical, I heard how he said it. It sounded almost as if he was asking me. And I said, do you have something less? He said, six years. Do you have something less? He said, four years. I pressed my luck. I said, do you have something less? He said, we have two years and 23 weeks. I said, that's me. Let me go for that. You know? But if I hadn't heard how he said it, you know, would have been eight years. Yeah, they kind of started. The not, not listening. I met guys that were in there, and they were asking me. They like, yo, how did you only get two years? I said, I asked. <laughs> yeah. Which, which the court system worked that way. You just yeah, can I get less? Yeah. Uh, so, um, so just to go in the order too. So that goes. You're in the army now. Uh, still dealing out of there. When you come back is when you you married your wife right out of the army. Is that correct? Or Before, before right out of high school. You went right like, into that. Like I married my junior high sweetheart. That's so, crazy. Yeah, for sure. It's another sure. fact that I didn't have any idea about either. I thought you would push it, just you know, running the game, doing what you got to do, being bachelors. 
So uh, that's. That I know I was acting like a bachelor, but no, absolutely not. That must be incredibly tough to do that. You know what I mean? I can't hold down a girlfriend for a month and a half, and I do nothing. So like, you had to get records, and you had a wife. Like, that's amazing. So Michelle, uh, nice, good one. Well, the, like going on the road, even starting off. You know what I mean? That you ask a lot of a relationship in order for that to work, right? And uh, so you, you start making these hits, you start putting a lot of time into music, you're doing very well, you get signed, uh, you put up, you start building that first album, the exclusive audio uh, footage uh, project. Right. And then um, as that kind of fades away, it didn't really pop as it was planned. Well, it actually got shelved, so it never really came out. From you Electra. Know, from Electra, yeah. right. And uh, Sylvia Rome, she signed us, uh, she really enjoyed the music, but at that time, uh, it was... Missy and Busta Rhymes, and they had like huge budgets. The thing about that was Sylvia, she didn't try to keep us, keep us signed, knowing that you know the 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 budget money was down, and she really uh, allowed us to not be signed to get off of the label, and that's like unheard of. Record companies don't do that. Even if there's no money, they're just gonna sign you and hold you. And if ever one day maybe it is, they'll you know get to you. If they don't, but as long as they own you, they'll just keep you there. That's, and that's a, that's gotta be a tough feeling too, because you don't know what your future is at that point, right? Right. But I mean, uh, sorry. And the one thing I also wanted to kind of uh, you know give you props for is that you know during these times you were looking to get deals mostly to make sure that your brother was going to be able to take care of your family in the idea that if you weren't around much longer, you mm -hmm. know, because you had a scare. Or, or two, you know, you had the idea right. that something was happening with right. you, and right. because you had that feeling, you were saying, okay, at least if I can get me and my brother signed, he can right. take care of the family, and he can have a future for himself, so right. that's usually commendable on its own just to look out for him for that. Right. If right. you want to right. get into the situation as to why you felt like you might have an early exit, you can let them kind of, unless you want them to buy the book. And absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked, but I, I, don't, I don't mind, you know, like, touching it on, on it a sure. little bit, or yeah. whatever. But and yeah, and I think I think maybe it can even help, you know, somebody. You know, I wish uh, someone had talked to me like this. But there was a point in time where I feared that I had contracted HIV, and um, and what I would say to that to anybody listening, if you ever face anything like that, that fear will keep you stagnant. It'll stop you from um, being all that you can be, and you would live under bondage. If you ever have any kind of fear about your health, any kind of fear of anything that is going on with you, it's best to like, and, and that's why faith is such an important thing. Because if you don't have faith, you have every right to be fearful about any and everything. You know, I was a rapper. When I was out on the road, I, I did everything a rapper would do. So it got to the point where there was a time where I was uncertain about my health. So what I would say, is if anyone is having any kind of concern or anything that they may need to know and keep putting it off and you know put it on the back burner and, and trying to get over it yo you need to definitely check yourself out you need to go find out about yourself because you won't you'll never be able to be who you're called to be living under bondage and that's something that i found out you know a little later in life for sure and and once you you know you obviously got the results everything came back negative which is a great blessing first of all that waiting for that answer must be out of control and that was back when you had to wait like two weeks i know before. yeah so yeah i just do the hedberg test have you ever tried the hedberg test 
the Hedberg test is uh, you call your friend and you say, hey, Rich, do you know anyone with AIDS? If he says no, then I can't have it. So that's, that's the kind of stuff. But I don't, I don't recommend that. Yeah, no, nah, we, don't, we don't recommend that one, but don't, you know. Don't, don't go by that way. Anyhow, um, so that, that, that's, that, that whole, that whole, uh, so that whole um, thing happened, and when you finally wanted to, you know, kind of clear your conscience of everything, I'm sure it builds up, you know, dealing with that alone, because there's no reason to deal with that unless it's on your mind that something might have happened. Right. Uh, guilty conscience builds up. It, it, absolutely, it absolutely. Out. You know, and, and uh, for those that don't know, um, I am Christian. So any of my answers, it comes from the Word of God. I have nothing else to, uh, no other standpoint, no other vantage point to talk from. You know what I'm saying? And uh, the Bible does say, as a man thinketh, so it he. So as you think, if you think you're sick, and you're constantly thinking you're sick, you know, you can really build that in your mind. You know what I'm saying? And your body will even follow suit to that. Um, you know, so, and it, and, it, and it says a lot about how you think. If you think you're going to be somebody, if, you, if it's something that you aspire to do, some, some, something that you aspire to be, if you think and you keep speaking it, it can come into, you know, manifestation, come into fruition. A hundred percent, yeah. It's, uh, you, uh, yeah, and it works both ways. kind of thing where you kind of cause it to, to be. Right. So, yeah, no, no question. So, now you're building up uh, your... Uh, you're building up your path with Pusha. You guys are getting uh, the new music coming out on the second, uh, well, I guess the first technical album, uh, mm -hmm. which is the Lord Willing album. And then um, you have Grinding on that album. Now, Grinding is a huge success. You guys are out on the road, killing it. You know, it, it didn't start out as a success. It, it kind of built after a year. Right, yeah. And now you're out there killing it, and now people are starting to see you're out there partying harder than, than the average person, right? During that time, are you already mentally checked out of that scene, or right there, are you still in the moment, like, yeah, this is what I want to do, I'm glad we're doing it. Let's oh, nah, it nah, I was, I, was in, I was in it, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I was, I, was, I was definitely in it, I was, I was in it, okay. mentally and everything. Okay, because yeah. uh, prior to that, I didn't know if you were somebody who always had that seed planted in your head, like, I shouldn't be doing this, or... Oh, well, yeah, definitely, I understand what you mean now. Okay. Um, I, I, I always hear about my, my lyrics that... I always painted a side of some kind of regret or some kind of remorse or, you know, I would talk about the consequences, which is true. You know, I didn't just, I wasn't always one-sided with it, but that is truly me. Like I said, from a child, I've always been very analytical. When I see things happen, I think about it 12 different ways other than what I actually see. Um, I'm, I'm still that way to this day. One thing that I always heard about myself, I mean, even with strangers, you know, people would tell me, you think too much because they would see it on my face. I'm always thinking. Um, there was an art, artist from Virginia who, who painted a picture, and it's actually in the documentary on Netflix, uh, like uh, Adam said, The End of Malice. Um, he painted a picture and just gave it to us as a gift. And when I look at that picture, you can actually, I mean, it tells the story of me and my brother. I'm looking somewhere off in the far distance, gazing, and actually, I'm in deep thought. You know, I can, you can see it, and it just summed me up. And he's in the background, you know, smiling, looking sneaky and slick and everything. And I was like, yo, that's us. Like, he really captured that. That's, that's incredible. And I'm, Unaware. I'm glad that you actually even brought up the point of your consciousness in the lyrics that you brought. And I like the whole, um, there's a, um, like a quote that kind of goes with clips, which is, uh, Pusha gives you, the, uh, gives you the rhymes you want to hear, and you deliver what they need to hear, correct? Is that correct, some, correct. close to that? Right, right. Um, the, the topic for this is uh, love after hate, and something I wanted to bring up, 
has to do with the consciousness of your lyrics. And it's the fact that, first of all, I hate the fact that you started the documentary with these lyrics because this was going to be my Nardwar moment where I brought something out the woodworks <laughs> that you didn't okay, know. Okay. But it starts the whole thing, so it's funny that you brought the same verse up. But the reason why I bring it up in the verse is off of uh, You're Not Me. Uh, you're not me. I'm, not uh, you. I'm Not You. That's the joint. So right. um, that's one of the joints that I was super into, and I remember hearing a lot of guys that I like on the record. You know, we can get into the music side of stuff. We could take four hours to get into the music stuff. But right. the lyrics on it, I don't know if you want to get into it, but there's a certain set of bars, the ones that start with, it changed me to no end. Mm -hmm. If you want to say those bars, if not, I'll forget. I probably don't remember okay, them, so but yeah. I don't blame you, yeah. I, don't, I forget my grocery list. Okay, so look, it says, um, it changed me to no end, to feed poison to those who could very well be my kin. But where there's demand, someone will supply. So, so I feed them their needs at the same time cry. Yes, it pains me to see them need this, all of them lost souls and I'm their Jesus. Deepest regret and sympathy to the street. I see them pay for their fix when their kids couldn't eat. And with this in mind, I still didn't quit. And that's how I know that I ain't shit. Now, the re I'm going to just stop there. I know you go into more bars after, and you always kind of explain that you tag stuff after, not to be like, you know, not to, not to seem like I'm just trying to preach on people. You, you gave them the consciousness, and then at the end, you kind of tagged in the, but I'm going to still do my thing kind of thing for the hustlers, right? But this part of section, and I might be wrong. There's a lot more hip-hop historians in here that might correct me. Coming from my angle, I listen to Jay, I listen to Big, and they all had their warning saying, or even Eazy-E, you can deal, but the bad things that might happen is you might go to jail, you might die. That was probably the first time I ever heard in a rap record where the person saying, I'm dealing, and I'm a piece of shit for doing it. I've never heard that. So that sort of consciousness was brand new to me as far as coming off of a, uh, off of MC. So for that reason alone, you're needed and you're, you can contribute to the whole vulnerability to a ton of MCs. Writing that sort of stuff with guys in the room, did you ever feel the pressure to be like, I want to be that guy? Or did you ever feel the need, like, I want to change it? You were always stuck in your ways and you say, I'm going to be... Yeah. I'm gonna be the guy that brings that no matter what. Well, well, I, th this is just really coming from a real place. I didn't think about what I was gonna be or, you know, what I was gonna say or how I was gonna say. I just spoke from the standpoint of what I knew. You know, um, I've always been pretty good at hip hop, mm -hmm. and it just so happens that you know, growing up with the Neptunes and Chad and Pharrell, like, cause. I never was pursuing to try to become a hip-hop artist. Yeah. I just knew I was pretty good at it. So then when I got these friends that make actually, you know, really good music, then it only made sense. So we only spoke about, uh, the, the, the canvas was, was narcotics. For sure. So, so, you know, and that was, that was a real instance. That really happened. Mm -hmm. I was in uh, the same housing complex that I was talking about. And I had just served this lady, and she let us, you know, stay in her house. And that was the thing. You stay in the house, she'll let you squat. Usually, you know, they're a fiend, or they're a drug user, I should say. And, you know, they will let us squat in the house, and you just give them, it was uh, a 20. For every five you sold, you give them a free 20, or whatever. So, you... you would be trespassing if, if you were out there because the police drive by, what are you doing out here? So you could just stay in the house, she'll go out, make the runs, this, that, and the third because she wants hers and kind of help you out or whatever. Yeah. And I remember uh, her, you know, I had, I had just served her and she had two kids and they were hungry and they were pulling at her and they was trying to get her to go get them something to eat and she said she didn't have any money, you know. And I was like, and I know, you know, I just served you or whatever. Yeah. And um, you know, start talking about the, that their I guess her um, 
their father who wasn't around and start talking about him and bad mouthing him and this, that, and the third. So that's how that line had came about. It was a real, you know, uh, sometimes I, I bump into her, you know, in the street now, like I'll see her different places or whatever, oh, and she's wow. doing really well, you know, and this was like over, uh, yeah. over 10 years. That's incredible. Well, yeah. I was yeah. gonna bring up some of, the, some of the folks from your past too. And, um, of course you are. And, uh, <laughs> yes, I am. And one of the, uh, the main people that I wanted to bring up was um, uh, Miss, what is her name, Miss? Miss Alberta. Miss Alberta. Yeah, Miss Alberta. Alberta, yeah. For the, those who may not know, would you like to bring up who Miss Alberta is? Yeah, Miss Alberta. What she means to you? Yeah, absolutely. Miss Alberta, uh, Miss Alberta just recently passed in oh, September. I was yeah. just going to ask how she is. There you go. Yeah, Sorry yeah, she, she just recently passed uh, in September. She is the one who led me to the Lord. Uh, we were hanging out with a with a, a a buddy of mine who had just came home from jail, and um, we were in the house and we were just talking, you know, about all the stuff that we were getting into, and you know, about his stint in jail, and you know, he was telling us how. He was cleaning his shotgun and accidentally went off, shot a hole in the floor, and then the lady was in the floor holding her baby right under it, and he had dope in the house, his leg was broke, so he had to get all the dope and run out for the police came or whatever, this, that, and there. So we just telling the story of how it all happened, and we just in there with laughing, talking, we're reminiscing about certain things. Mm -hmm. And he happened to have an ankle bracelet on, and he had said, you know, he was tired of uh, being cooped up in the house. He was like, let's go out and uh, you know, just go outside, because it was uh, only so far he could go, but we just wanted to get outside. Yeah. And even as I think back on that, the timing of it was just way too perfect. Let's go out. So we go outside. Then this lady pulls yeah. up from a Bible study, and she see us three fools outside, you know, drinking 40s and high and just uh, talking. And she came up to us and introduced us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we gave her a hard, hard way to go. We didn't want to hear none of that. We start asking her questions, you know, just showing our unbelief, you know, asking how can a virgin be pregnant? How can a man walk on water? This, that, and the third. Now, in my house, you know, uh, God was not taboo. We didn't go to church every Sunday, but it would be nothing for my mom to be like, you know, get up, y'all going to church. So we get up, you know, and, and we would go to church. So when she, um, I, I, would t I told her actually, I said, do you know, uh, I don't think these are the conditions that the Lord would want me to give my life to him, you know, because I was high. And she was asking that from you right there. Right then and there. And she was like, why not? She was like, why not? Why, why won't you? She was like, you believe in God, don't you? And I was like, I, I told her, I was like, um, you know, telling her about how we grew up. Yeah. And how we knew of God, I knew not, I knew to take it serious and not to disrespect it, even if I wasn't fully convinced, you know. Gotcha. So I did. I definitely had a reverence or whatever. And I told her, I said, I'm sorry. I said, maybe some other time. I said, I just can't do it right now. And she said, you don't have some other time. She says, don't you know that God has a plan for your life? And she said it to me so, uh, she was so firm and so adamant the way she said it to me. Next thing I know is that I'm bowing my head with her, holding hands and, and, and taking it serious. And here I am today telling about my love for the Lord. So, wow. you know, she knew something that I didn't. Wow. So, and then she gave you her contact and you hit her up years down the road. Is that correct? It wasn't, it wasn't years down the road. It was, I guess, about 
Well, maybe a year down the road. Okay, okay. Right, so right. A year down the road. So right. you know, things got real hectic in your life, and you got to the point where... And that's where I want them to get the book. Yeah, 100%. We, okay, yeah. okay. It's all time. It's all time. Yeah. It's well worth the purchase. But, uh, so yeah, no, it's definitely... Uh, it's definitely um, a, big, a big turning point in your life that you get to. And, uh, you know, you contact... Uh, when you speak to just to kind of jump ship over when you get to the point where you're looking for that turning point, right? Because mm -hmm. you're on the road, you're killing it, you know, everything's going crazy. It's starting to build up on your mind. You end up hitting uh, a point where you want to kind of stop it, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to figure out the time that you decided to approach your wife at that point and kind of just confess what was on your mind. Because a lot of people would say, okay, look, did what I did, but I'm That's good. still the book. Yeah, uh, we're going to skip it. We're going to skip that part. Okay. But do you feel like you would be in the position you are right now if you didn't take that step with your wife? You don't think? You don't, would I, you, think it would, I think it would have went very bad. You, yeah, would you feel like... You I think it would have went very bad. I think there were certain steps that I had to take and I better had taken them or it was going to turn out terrible for me. I really believe that. And, um, you know... What Adam is uh, alluding to is the fact of me confessing my infidelity to my wife. And, uh, you know, we were talking about forgiveness today, and we're talking about forgiveness in the prisons or whatever. And I want to say that it was her forgiveness that even personified the kind of forgiveness that I read about in the Bible. I'm talking about when someone tells you that they're going to forgive you and actually forgive you. No huffing, no puffing, not later on down the road, just attitudes coming out of nowhere, which she had every right to do and still has every right to do. You sit and you chilling, you watching TV, and then, you know, you see something on TV, <laughs> you know, the, the rapper, the groupie, this, that, and the third, you know, then it, then it can come up, you know what I'm saying? But uh, when, I, when I see that level of forgiveness, it's wild to me. And I still, to this very day, I marvel at it to this very day, you know. So when I, when I read scripture, like how God tells us that he would remember our sins no more, or, you know, uh, he'll put our sins as far as the east is from the west. When I read those scriptures and then I have an actual, um, uh, uh, yeah, an actual example, I'm like, wow, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I could forgive, but I'm going to have to mess with you a little bit at some point in time, you know. Say something, catch an attitude every now and then, something, I don't know. That's, that's incredible, and that's good that you had that when you had it, you know, it was perfect. Absolutely. things could have gone completely Absolutely, and, and if I could, real quick, and not to be long and drawn out, I also want to say that another thing that I, I, I've learned from that situation is, you know, if you have anything about yourself, as a man, I'm, I'm basically talking to the men, I know women, that's a whole different thing, so maybe somebody else can speak to that. But as a man, if you have anything about yourself, like, you know, we all make mistakes. We all, you know, there's times where we just live for ourselves and do everything that we want to do. But if at some point in time, you know, it, it doesn't hit you that I can't really live like this or something about this is not right. Mm -hmm. If you can't reckon that within yourself, then, you know, there is a, a, a deeper issue. Even if you continue to do the things that whatever it was that you're into or the things that you're doing, if you can't at least admit this is wrong, then there's a problem. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, when people hear repent or, or uh, the word itself repent, 
People think it means stop doing what you're doing. Just stop. Repent. Repent. And that's not what repent means. Repent means to change your mind about how you feel about a thing. That's what repent means. So, you know, uh, align yourself with the word of God. You have to at least believe the word is true. You have to believe that you shouldn't steal. Thou shalt not steal. Even if you're the biggest thief, you have to at least believe that I'm stealing, but I know this ain't right. You have to believe that thou shalt not kill, that murder is wrong. Even if you're a murderer, you have to at least be able to believe that this is wrong. And when you repent and it changes in your mind how you think about a thing, or when you get in line with the word of God, when, when that happens, only then can your body even begin to follow after that because it's what you believe. Now, I happen to know for certain that it is the, the Holy Ghost gives you this insight. Some people can lie to themselves. Some people think if they pull a blanket over their head that you don't see them. You know, you have to know if you do something wrong, you have to at least know that it's wrong. Even when I lied, you know, I didn't walk away thinking just because I got away with it that I didn't lie. I was like, yo, you lied. You know what I'm saying? And people, basically, a lot of times it frustrates me. I'm like, yo, are you believing in your lie right now? Like, can you at least, you know, go to your private corner and know that you lied? So, so having, yeah. a, having a conscience could really, could really make a big difference in your life because if you're dealing with you know, two industries, either the, the street or the music industry, those are two places where a conscious uh, can kind of get in the way of progress at certain times because they're both pretty seedy places. Would right. you say that one, uh, what would you say is more of a dishonest place, the street or the industry, the music industry? I, I you know, to, to, to pit one against the other, sin is sin. You and know, both and, and you can't, I don't condemn hip-hop any more than I condemn corporate, any more than I condemn uh, sometimes the church, you know? Uh, uh, sin is sin, you know, and, and you, you, you can't really, really um, comp comp compartmentalize, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, and, and put it in, a, it's just, it's, it's rampant, it's everywhere. And we are not sinners because we, uh, uh, conduct a sin or, or do a sin, you are a sinner standing still. You are a sinner sitting here talking to me. Born a sinner. Born a sinner. Born a sinner. Okay. And you know and having that um, that faith, are you okay with saying that no matter what you do, you will be forgiven? Well that? see that's the thing and that's a great point. That's a great point. See, because now what we're talking about and for anyone who didn't hear uh, what Adam said, he said, are you okay with the fact knowing that anything you do, you can be forgiven? This is, this is how that works, and that is a great point. Once you believe, right, and I'm, I'm speaking from my, my perspective as a Christian, once you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, once you believe that this man actually got on this cross and died for your sins, truly believe, like, see, the, the beauty of it is, you can't fake the funk with this thing with God. You can fake it to me. I can fake it to you. But with God, you cannot fake it. So if you truly believe that, that his grace is sufficient, you, you listen, if I could really feel like I'm going to get away with it and do it, I'm built like that. I'm that kind of person that would push it to that limit. I'm that dude. You know what I'm saying? But no, like if you believe, there is no way you can just say, hey, God is going to forgive me and, and get away with it. But that's the Holy Spirit. But without the Holy Spirit, natural man would definitely try that. Gotcha. 
Okay, well, there you go. And and obviously, faith is huge um, for yourself. Can you tell? A, a little bit. But, and that's a beautiful thing. Do you, and what I do like also about it is that anytime I've seen you speak about it, you say, this is what works for me. And I suggest that you try it out because it may work for you. If I found a recipe that made spaghetti a little bit better, I would tell everybody in this room about it. So something as powerful as the Lord is to you, I could not blame anyone for putting that on, but you do a very good job of not telling people this is what you need to do, and if not, I want nothing to do with you. You just suggest this is what I do. Uh, this is kind of left field, but if someone like, let's say, as close to you as Pusha is, if Pusha were to find his peace with another religion, like if he found a peace in Islam, would you be okay with that, or would you support that, or would you try to talk him into Christianity? Well, it's, it's, I support my brother, and that's my brother, that's my mama's son, so I love him, you know, and, yeah. I, and, and I support him in, in anything he does. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean that I would celebrate everything that he does, you okay. know. Um, there's a, a place where if, if someone's committed to something, and you have to go where you're invited. I don't, I don't trespass, you understand? If right. there's a door open, if you're asking me questions, I go all the way in. If, if I feel like you shut the door on me, it, you know, the best thing I can do is be uh, an example. Gotcha. So when it comes to my brother, he has a front row seat. He's seen me on the road. Listen, he's baffled. <laughs> he's baffled. <laughs> Listen, li he's seen me on the road. Mm -hmm. You dig what I'm saying? Sure. He's seen me on, he's all of us on the road and, you know, doing what we do into the things that we into or whatever, whatever. Like, he has a, a front row seat to this. This is not some doctrine that I have subscribed to and say, hey, I'm going to follow this. Oh, no, I'm not built like that. This is something, this is a heart transformation. Does it mean I don't sin? Does it mean that I do everything right? Does it mean that I'm perfect? No. But the thing about it is I don't glory in my sin. I used to laugh and kick it with my homies, and we used to talk about what we're doing, what we're going to do tomorrow, what we did last night, what we did. Oh, you'll never see that again from me. Never. Okay. Doesn't mean I'm not a sinner, mm -hmm. you know, but you won't see that. That that in itself is a huge difference, you know, and, and I could never even have those kind of conversations, and those conversations would cut me to the core when I hear people say such things. When you talk about things like curse words, all right, for sure, check this out, and this is a good point. No one cursed more than me in my records. You dig what I'm saying? I mean, curse, but to me, it's like a whole bunch of uh, action in a movie. Just because it has a, a whole bunch of action doesn't mean it's a good movie. What happened to the plot? What happened to the storyline? Sure. But all this, this blowing up is supposed to make it a, a phenomenal mo movie. Yeah. You know, and, and I feel like cursing is the same way. Like, to curse for the sake of cursing? Some people just curse. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. they just curse. They do it for and, shock effect. Well, well, they may do it for shock effect. They may do it for they have no other vocabulary. They may do it just because, you know, it's what they're used to. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and a lot of those same people, I'm like, do you curb it when there's a, a, a child around or elderly person or me, because I'm just the gentleman, like a woman around? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying with your boys, if you curse, you curse or whatever, but just to curse nonchalantly, like that doesn't offend anybody. It tells me you're not thinking about anyone around you. Period. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. So it tells a, a, a bigger picture to me. And I feel like the context makes a big difference if someone understands where your heart's at, even if you are doing things that aren't exactly glorifiable. 
with with an what I was going to bring up when you mentioned it tells you, a story about you for sure what do you feel as far as and you have children you have three children or two children I have two two children yeah. um, they're both grown now right you they obviously know your catalog right are you are you like proud of that that they may know it back to front are you trying to be like I don't listen to that stuff or nah, don't tell I can't anybody? shun it it happened yeah. you, you see and that's where people you can't go around trying to hide things this that and the third because you know you try to keep especially your kids I think especially in this day and age you got to come forth about everything that's going on any kind of information that you can pass to your kid any you know and, and we see what's going on um, I know, I know y'all see in the States what's going on with all this groping. I don't know what, what all this groping is about, yeah, but it's, it's a lot of groping and a lot of stuff going on. So I, I speak to my daughter uh, from a young age, you know, about I, I, yeah, about, about respecting herself, you know. I even had told my, my, my daughter um, because I wanted, if she fell into anything, like any premarital sex, if she, you know, when she had gotten older, if she fell into any of that, I wanted it to be not because she was slick talked into it, not because she didn't know what love was, not because she didn't know what romance was, not because, you know, I want you to know that that guys have these emotions and feelings and they'll tell you, you know, whatever it is yeah. uh, they, they want to say, you know, to make it happen. And another thing, too about these men out here that's running around with all these women and doing a whole bunch of different things and getting into what they're getting into, you have to know this too. They are to be pitied as well. I mean to be pitied because growing up, you know, as a child, and, and you know, you look up at your uncles, you look at, you know, the, your, your, your older brothers and, and older family members, this, that, and the third, that was what subconsciously you're taught. Even I remember at birthday parties when I was young and I didn't want to dance with a girl, they were like, you better go out there and dance with that girl, you better go out and dance with that girl, this, that. So it's like, it's really pushed on you. So you, you kind of grow up with this kind of mindset that you must say something to a woman. If, and if you don't speak to the woman, there is something wrong with you, you know? It wasn't until I was in my 20s that I realized that you don't have to say nothing. Like, you, you could be there and be quiet. I'm sure if you, you have know? one record out there, you have a, a Well, listen, listen, <laughs> you don't have to do too much talking, man, but, you know, but, 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 there is a freedom that a, a lot of our young men need, need to know about and, and uh, not be conditioned to, with that caveman instinct that this is something that you're supposed to do. And, and there's no glory in, in sleeping with a lot of women, you know what I'm saying? I was in the I was in the jail today and I listened to some freestyles, and uh, you can imagine, you know. But I come from that, so I, I definitely understood it and I vibed with him. And a lot of uh, a common thing that kept coming up was, you know, uh, I'll take your girl, I'll sleep with your girl, or I'll do this with your girl, you know. Yeah. And and I didn't get a chance to really address any of that because you know you definitely don't want to start trying to teach and preach. But the fact of the matter is. Why do you want to sleep with someone else's woman that lay up, you know, they lay up between each other? No more than I would want to put a condom on after somebody else. Why would you want to, like, why is, is that, do you know there's a woman somewhere out here just for you? Do you know that? What is the, the glory of it to, to chase and to hunt down and then act as though you've accomplished something? Well, I think 
you already hit the nail on the head for that is that it has something to do with conditioning a missing piece pity that there's something that's missing in you or well, conditioning like you've been either pushed into that mentality or there's something in you that says okay i don't feel good about this so if i can at least get two or three girls in this month or whatever it yeah. is at least i'm doing good in this i year, i right? agree with that and when i sit here now and i think about who i was back then i can literally get teary-eyed because i was lost mm -hmm. i had money jewelry you know, fame and notoriety and all of that. But when I look back at that boy, that boy did not stand a chance out here in that world. Mm -hmm. Everybody's looking at him and telling him how great he is and this, that, and in the clubs and everybody want to be around you, this, that, and the third. When I look back, when I look back from this standpoint at that, and I call him a little boy, and I'm talking about myself. For sure, at 30, 28. So at well, 30, I, yeah, I came in the game at 25. There you go. You know, so but but fully grown man, you're yeah. right, 30s and everything. Mm -hmm. So so when I look at him, oh, it's sad. It's and it's, it, it, it's pitiful. And he thinks this is what's right because this is what the world tells him what's right. Da, 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 da. But he really ain't happy, but he can't even say to himself he's not happy because you're supposed to be happy so if you're not happy that means something is wrong with you oh that boy is to be pitied mm -hmm, for sure and i found that connection with that is that you kind of make that point you know you can have the cars the jewelry if you don't have that inner peace you can have 10 cars you can have 25 chains you can have 25 girls you can have all of that it's not going to amount to anything right and having that mentality means that there's uh an inner peace that's missing and obviously you found that inner peace right Right. My question is, is once you find that inner peace, is it always there or do you have to maintain it? Do you have to fight for that still or is it just there permanent? Well, I'm always I, looking for it. So. I think that's a great question. And the thing about it is I do not always have happiness, but I absolutely always have joy always have something to be thankful for. I'm not always happy and you know, happiness uh, a lot of times stem, stems from events or happenings, you know, birthday parties, weddings, this or a high point promotion, da, 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 you up for a while, then it goes back down, da, da. but do you always have joy? I absolutely always have joy. When I say joy, I can rejoice in my kitchen by myself, everybody else sleep, I'll be up early in the morning praising and crying and everything, just thanking the Lord for everything that is going right. And yeah, if you if you can't find that, you know, it, once you no longer want the attention or the fame, and no long and once money stops becoming the hunt, then there's absolutely nothing else to search for but that piece. And and I think, at least if I had to guess, that's where you end up hitting that point where you're like, I got everything I need, but I still need more, and I need something else. So that's the reason why you came to the no malice stage, right? And now that you're, it's somewhat, obviously there's a lot more to do. You know, I can go in on you, yeah. but I'm, well, I'm trying to be, you know, I also, but yeah, no, nah, I, I respect it. I, I would love to even get into I respect more of it, the, yeah. Of the, well, I'd love to get into even more of the, uh, of that street side to it and also the music side. Right, you have right. a lot of people that, right. you know, are huge successes and you have relationships with all of them. I'm sure people want to hear stories with that. you got right. a, a long history with Pharrell that goes up and down. I know that you, um, you know, you guys had monster success together, but you've also had low points, mm -hmm. and you've also had a point where you kind of kicked off. Is that right? Is there anything you want to get into as far as any sort of issues with him? No, no, no. There, there, there are absolutely no issues. You know, no, um, now there's not. With yeah, but I mean, point? anybody you work with, you're gonna have you know uh, ups and downs with you know. Um, I feel like if, if everyone is always smiling and everything is perfect, I feel like somebody's you know being fake. But we're brothers, you oh. know, and it's like. You, you fuss with your brother, but you always work it out, okay. you know? You definitely always work it out. So it never came to a clash where there was like a real big like set where 
either you were just done in the industry, either through him or through just the music industry on its own? Nah, and, 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 and the thing about it is, and, and I have to take this back to the word of God, um, I never and would never ever blame anybody for anything that happened in my life, good or bad, because that would mean that that person has the, had the power to make it good or bad. You know, my Bible tells me that promotion comes from the Lord. So I, I don't have any problems, what, no, no bad feelings toward anybody. And, uh, and, and everything has worked out great, you know, with our relationships within our camp. I mean, great, yeah. And they all support you going forward. Absolutely, and be, have been very gracious, very gracious. So yeah. uh, um, is there a big, um, do you ever miss it? That's just a question, really. Do you ever miss it? Like, I honestly, the way you do music now, you're still doing music, but do you ever just miss doing what you see Pusha doing? Are you ever going to be, would you ever feel ways about being referred to to a newer generation as Pusha's brother? knowing that you guys built something together, would that not bother you? Or, that would bother me if me and my brother did something and then eventually I became his brother to the world. You know what I mean? I understand that. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Okay. That's why you have to know who you are and who, you know, who, who created you and who you are created to be. The word of God tells me that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. There's not anybody in any club or hip-hop venue, backpack, nowhere that can tell me who I am. And I get that, but it only comes from the word of God. Outside of that, then it's very possible I could feel that way. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know what time limit we at. We can keep going because I got tons of stuff in here. Just touch on the VT part. Yeah, well, he was kind of discussed that already. The Me Too, with, not the Mr. Me Too, the Me Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a different thing. But, yeah, he was already kind of saying it. They, he kind of goes and speaks to his daughter about it, or he has in the past. Right. Um, do you see, you know, what are your thoughts on those events that are happening right now in the news? Obviously, it's terrible that it's happening, but it is, it do you is. feel there's something missing with those people? Mm. Like, do you see there's some, some reason why that's happening? I know it's always been happening. It's not a new occurrence. Right, exactly. It's it's not new. It happens way more than uh, reported. Yeah, than than reported. Um, I think there is a lot of reevaluating that needs to be done. You know, I also feel like you know you see the the entertainment moguls um, that that have come up on these charges and, and the women come forth and the women tell what happened and, and, and what this man did, this, that, and the third. Uh, I would also say, you know, I already know like when, when these movies are being made and there's a sex scene or there's a naked scene, it's like you don't think these executives go back and talk with their homies about what they just shot walking in on the set, but because it's under the name of actress and this is my job, then it's like, you know, it's a thing. But I find that there is something wrong with that. Now, and in, in, in even for, for the males, you know, that go through it, you know, there, there's uh, things that, that go on with the males as well, so I'm not just talking about females, but that's why I say I feel like we need to reevaluate things that are held precious and things that are held sacred. Now, I would also say, that um, the accusers, see, it's okay until you run up on the wrong one, you know, because there were tons of women that made these men feel like, hey, that's okay, and it's only okay until it ain't, 
You know, you run across the right one, you pick the wrong one today, now it's no good. You know what I'm saying? And it's a terrible thing. Uh, I, I don't even understand putting your hands on anyone and it's not welcome or at least you, I mean, you're not, you that lame that you can't uh, establish a relationship with somebody first and know that it's okay, that you like it and she like it and you know, as grown people and, and, it, and it happens. So you that lame to misjudge or I touch, I thought you was gonna like it. Like who does that? I don't get it. For sure, I'm assuming that it schools in the same steps of conditioning or I can't even make excuses for it. Nah, nah let's reason, not even try. Yeah, it's exactly. a terrible, terrible thing. And well, hopefully the light that's being shone on it is definitely changing. Yeah, God is hopefully. pulling the curtains back. Hopefully. He's pulling the curtains back, yeah, you know? So. He's pulling the curtains back. For sure. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want to go out to the to more questions. Are we no, good on time? Have, we got more. And I, I'm, so, I'm so sorry that I'm doing you publicly. Yeah. Can you tell the revenge story? Yes, I can. <laughs> I absolutely can. Time today? <laughs> What's the oh, you owe me. I know. <laughs> all right, all right, cool. So, all right, we were talking about revenge today. So it's a story that happened that, you know, uh, I, I was sharing with the inmates. But, uh, all right, here we go. So, there was a time where Pharrell and Chad, the Neptunes, they had bought uh, a beach house. And in this beach house, uh, they you know, loaded it with all kinds of, of, of musical equipment, uh, things that we were using for the album. And I would always go to the beach house and you know, I'd work on my music, work on my rhymes, and me and my friends, we would kick it over there. And uh, always just hanging out. So, came a time when, uh, it was a guy that I had met on the street, and he had a pretty decent flow, so me and him kind of kicked it off pretty good. And, uh, you know, I was uh, contemplating taking him under my wing. So one day, I brought him back to the beach house with me. So we're chilling at the beach house, you know, talking about hip-hop, rap, this, that, and the third, and, you know, I was just sharing uh, some of my thoughts and, and, and just giving him some kind of insight. He asked me, where's the bathroom? I said, the bathroom's down there to the left. So when I, I looked, I seen that he had went to the right. And I'm like, I know I said left. So I got up and I went behind him and I said, yo, it's to the left. And he was like, oh, my bad, my bad. And then he went, you know, to, to the restroom. Now, for whatever reason, at that point in time, I thought it was intentional and I felt as though he was like, you know, just snooping around and looking or whatever. So. We go home that day, you know, he goes home, I go home, or whatever, whatever. The next day that I come to the beach house, when I came in the beach house, I had a funny feeling. I couldn't even quite put my finger on it. Then I started looking around. I was like, did I leave that door open? You know, it was just my intuition. Huh. Then I noticed that all of the equipment was stolen. All of the equipment was gone. And it was over $100,000 worth of equipment. It could have been more or whatever. So I'm like, all right, you know, I call, instantly I call Pharrell. I call Pharrell and I tell him, I'm like, yo, you know, I had this dude come through the place, he came back, he robbed the place, whatever, all the stuff is gone. Pharrell was like, and he was really cool about it. Pharrell was like, for real? Yo, all right, he was like, well, he was like, you know, when, when you get the advance, you know, you just have to pay that back or whatever. I was like, oh, no, I already know that. That's cool, but I'm just letting you know what happened. And he was like, all right, he out in L.A. working with somebody. You know, he ain't thinking about what's going on over here. So anyway, um, I get my boys. First, I'm doing my homework. I'm going around looking for this dude, whatever, whatever. And I know, you know, some of, we know some of the same people. So they tell me, one, one group of people say, yeah, he stole equipment from our studio. He did this, da, 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 da. 
So then I went to somebody else. He was like, yeah, he robbed me, my brother, da da da. He robbed somebody, you know, this other group of people or whatever. So I'm like, yeah, you know, gotta get this dude. So I call all my killers, all my friends, all my cousins. We get up one night, we go over to his house. Late at night, I knock on the door. And his dad was like, who is it? I said, it's me, Pops. Now, I don't know him. I just said, it's me, Pops. And he, it worked. He opened the door. <laughs> so he opened the door. You know, my boys go in there. Um, took, he had a gun. He answered the door with a gun. Took the gun out of his hand. I had him in the bathroom with my gun. I put a sock over my gun so in, in case any shells came, the sock catches the shells. That was just standard or whatever. So I'm holding him in the bathroom and out of nowhere, my, and I got my gun by my side. And here comes Lil Pusha T. He come up, take my hand, and picks it up and puts it on the guy. I'm like, yo, this is my little brother. He ain't here he showing me how to do it. He's like, keep it on him, keep it on him. So they went through the house looking for all the equipment, okay? Going, scavenging, tearing up the house and everything. Don't find any equipment. So we tell uh, the dad, yo, tell your son, he better have our equipment, it better be back by this time, it better be back by, you know, da 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 da, or we coming back, this, that, and the third. So we leave. So a little bit of time passed or whatever, and I'm in a club one night, and I see this guy staring at me. And then, you know, I'm, I'm not sure he's looking at me, so I look around, I see another guy behind me, this guy staring at me, and them two are looking at each other. So, I'm like, it hit me who he was. I'm like, yo, this is the dude. Okay, this is, because I, you know, I didn't, hadn't seen him in a little while, or whatever, plus it was dark in the club. And then I seen all of his boys in the VIP. Now, everywhere I went at that time, I kept my gun on me. I never went anywhere without my gun. I'm not glorifying this. I'm just telling you the story because you said tell the story. So, 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 I go, I go, and I sit, I flop right down in the middle of their VIP. I sit back amongst all of them, you know, and I put my feet on the table, and I cross my legs on their table, and I'm talking just as greasy. You know, anything that came to my mind, I'm just saying it in front of all of them. I'm like, yeah, what? Who going to do I wish I didn't know all of that or whatever. There was a candle on the table. I accidentally kicked the candle over the, the, the wax from the candle, hit my pants leg and all that or whatever. So after I finished talking, everything I wanted to say, whatever, whatever, I get up, I get ready to leave. A couple of them found the courage to get up and come after me, you know, to chase me down. It was like it was a whole bunch of them. So I'm running down the steps and I trip and I, I fall and I drop my gun. My gun slides all the way across the floor. I get a, 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 a rug burn on my head, a cherry, you know, on my head or whatever. But they never got to me. Bouncers came and we all got arrested. A lot of us got arrested that night, went to jail. All right, so after, after that had happened, when I come out of jail, I get a call from Chad from the Neptunes. Now, Chad is, you know, in his own world, whatever, whatever, but Chad, he hits me and he says to me, he was like, yo, I had some friends come over the house and they had stole the equipment, but I found it. <laughs> but I found it. <laughs> so, it had nothing to do with me. I didn't, it, this all happened because of Chad and the equipment, you know, was found. But that just goes to show how loyal all of my homies are because he didn't have to say that. I had to pay for it, this, that, and the third or whatever. But we had went through, we had went through all of that. But I say all of that to say, uh, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. 
Like, it makes no sense. We can't exact revenge on anyone. Matter of fact, there are a lot of things that many of us in here have got gotten away with and have not, you know, been caught for. And, uh, and, and, and I pit everything against the Lord. When I think about forgiveness, when I think about me not getting what I deserved and the Lord forgiving me, that is the kind of compassion that we are to have for anyone who asks forgiveness. And anyone who does not ask forgiveness that has betrayed you or, you know, was disloyal to you, you can forgive them without them even asking, and it frees you up. But a lot of us go through life with this bitterness and this weight, and because we have been rightfully betrayed, you know, but you do not have to carry that all the way through your life till you close your eyes for the last time and you went through your whole life with this hurt because of something mama did, something daddy did, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, family member, friend, or whatever. We don't have to, you know, carry that weight around. And if you ever happen to see the grinding video or notice it again, you'll see I have a red cherry on my head where, you know, that event took place and it happened. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's very straight. What I'm saying is, all right, now, to when a man and a woman sleep together, you have to know that is very, very sacred. And you do leave your DNA in a woman. So to go to somebody else, you know, someone else's woman and think that you're having your amusement, you're still dabbling in whatever that man has left. This is fact. Now, if you know anything about the human body and, and the circumcision of a man, I don't know how we're getting here, but an uncircumcised man, the foreskin of, is there children in here? Of a penis, right? I know, I'm telling you something real. The foreskin of a penis, it is to go inside the woman, and then when you pull it back, it sucks out like a vacuum any semen from any other competitor in the man. You can even see the, the chromosomes, it's like X's and O's. It looks like a football game where the sperm is actually competing. So let's say that a man uh, uh, is, is, is away and he feels that his wife might be cheating on him. That does something chemically where his sperm is strong you know, to come back and take over. Ask me how I know this. I will tell you how I know this. I'm gonna tell you, this is crazy that I, this is even coming about. I know this because in that very same beach house, right? In that very same beach house. Yeah, listen, listen. In that very same beach house, it was uh, Khalees, Pharrell, and myself. And we were sitting there and we were watching National Geographic. And we saw this display of everything that I just told you. And then we talked about it for so long to the wee hours of the morning that the thing repeated and came on again and we saw it again. So this is, this is how I know this. So my point, my point, my point is that between a man 
and a woman, it is a very sacred thing, and you do not want to frivolously uh, tread on that territory. No disrespect to any woman, and I, I see what you, you know, kind of get, but that's not me, absolutely. So please don't take it that way. That was a good answer. Uh, <laughs> what was the hardest verse you ever had to write, and how long did it take you to write? We write slow. We write very, very slow. You know, you'll you'll see MCs going to the uh, you'll see MCs and they'll have like 30 songs, and then when it's time for the album to drop, they'll scale back and pick the the right ones. So everything that we ever wrote, like we never had any extra, we never had any leftovers. Um, we we wrote exactly everything that we used because it was handcrafted. Um, which, I don't know, some, in, in many cases, it's, it's a good thing because of it being handcrafted, but, you know, it takes us, like, a lot of time. Like, I can't come out and do, like, a lot of the other guys, and it works for the other guys, but I could never write, like, you know, uh, uh, tons of other MCs out here that can put out a lot of stuff, but I feel like it is not as in-depth as our writing style is, or whatever. You want to pick this out, Tara? You going to put it on me? Yeah. Okay. Oh, you know my name. Go. Um, it might be in your book or in the documentary. I'll do my research later. Okay. Um, but um, my question is, as a parent going through this transition, this heart transition that you're talking about, mm -hmm. um, do you like? Do you find conflict with your old life and the life that you're living now with your children? Does that? Um, if I could get like a little example, maybe. Like, are there people um, perhaps that were like in your camp that are still in your life now that don't live their life in a way that you promote your children to live their life that causes conflict? And if there is, how do you deal with that? Well, and, and even with my children, see, this is, a, this is a thing where everyone has to make this kind of uh, assertion for themselves. They have everyone, this is an individual thing. You can't make nobody do anything. You can't force anything. All you can do is, if this is what you believe, hopefully, even if I don't get to say a word to anyone, hopefully they will look at my lifestyle and say it's something about him. There needs to be some kind of uh, line of separation of some degree, not huge, not that you're better than anybody, but you do definitely need to be able to see that there is something about that person. Um, as far as the conflict, there is, uh, there is conflict within the spirit and the flesh. Right, yeah, you knew I was gonna say that. That, that, and that, that they're always gonna be at odds. They're always, that's why, you know, sometimes we do things that we know we shouldn't do. That is a perfect example of the spirit and the flesh at war with each other. I think, and I think this is the, the story of the Bible and God's grace is to be gracious when we see someone, you know, uh, in, in a fallen state or maybe not aware, think that, you know, this is just life and this is just how you do. Uh, don't judge anyone for any reason. And, and if they welcome you and you can talk and you can say something to them, then, you know, definitely take, take advantage of that. If you don't get to talk, hopefully, like I said, they can look at you. But we cannot go around shaking our finger. And that's, 
this is what's going to be the hell of hells for many people. That they don't know. See, people, th and even I thought when Miss Alberta came to me and telling me about Jesus, I can't hear that because I'm don't. i not ready to make no uh, adjustments right now. But as I've come to know the Lord and come to know the word of God, the thing is, what he's saying is, align your mind with me. I'm not asking you to do anything. It's only going to be my spirit that does anything. The Bible also says, not by will or by might, but by my spirit. So it's not like people say willpower. Da -da. Listen, about morality and, and, and being a, a morally good person, the thing about that is, you're only moral until you ain't. Period, point blank. So, you know, in, in the grace of God, the Bible also says where sin abounds, grace more so abounds. God saying, I will not be outdone. Whatever you're doing, I have grace for that. But you have to believe in me. You have to come to me in, you know, in faith. The Bible says it is by faith that you are saved and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. People think, people don't even know how good Jesus is. They think he coming to stop the party. He said he didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinners. That's why he was always with the sinners. You know, people that knew that they were sinners, you know. Mm -hmm. My man right here with the hat. Yeah, um, big fan, just to say. Thank you, thank you. Um, between you and Push, do you guys ever have a conflict of interest as far as your views on certain subjects? And if so, what would you say to a fan of the both of you while you were in the clips on which way um, an uncertain youth or a young person may be kind of falling through the cracks but need that extra push in either way? What would you say to them uh, in that situation? Okay. Let me just say this. And I, I don't, I don't, even though I could, I wouldn't speak for my brother. I let him speak for himself. But you have to know in this industry, right? In this industry, there's a way you have to be to make your money. If you're in the industry to make your money, then there's a way that you have to be to make your money. If you're in entertainment to make your money, there's a way you have to be to make your money. You don't come into this entertainment to start preaching good messages to people. That ain't what this is. You know, that's not the industry. So you can be doing the industry thing, but totally think different, if you hear what I'm saying. You know? So it's, in many ways, it can be a facade, depending on the artist, you know? So I don't know, did that answer your question? Yeah, that, 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 that touched on it for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think my brother and I, in thought, are, are very much aligned, thinking the same way. We don't, we, I can't even really think of any real conflict we've ever had, you know, yeah. Um, i just like to say, like, you know, I'm a fan, obviously. Um, Thank you. I always felt like you and Pusha were two sides of the same coin, whereas, like, you know, you guys do the same kind of shit, but your, your side, like, listening to, you know, how Half No Fury and Lord Willing, you always had that remorseful side you were talking about. Um... How, do, how does it make you feel like now when you listen to Pusha Rap and he says, like he has a line saying that he's, he's gonna try to bring you back and, and like bring you, bring you back into the, into the life? Like how does that make you feel like, like don't say my name like that or do you feel like, oh he's just talking to shit? Like how, or do you smirk at it? Like how do you feel? Cause he's always has those those lines in there where he's like. Take him a little jab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't take. It, I don't take any of it personal. Um, you have to let the world be the world. You know, you can't. You can't. Even if you if you find a, a righteous path, you can't sit back and try to govern things. You can't uh, let every dart thrown at you like cut you deep. You can't. You know, I actually take my eyes off of the world as much as I can. When you say things like, when I listen to my brother's music, I am not from his. I think his first. Uh, Solo project was Fair God, the mixtape. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard whatever other mixtape. I haven't heard any album that he's ever done. But this is not to him. It's just that my focus is not on that music. And not only that, uh, the, the path that the Lord has me on, it doesn't afford me the luxury to just sit back and just listen and enjoy that kind of music. And I will also say this. Uh, I understand hip-hop and the dream because it gave me a lot of hope and it gave brought me a lot of great things, but to sit here and say I'm learning from hip-hop or I'm hearing from somebody that's teaching me something, I can't say that. Me, I can't say that. You know, I've been there, I jumped, rope, skipped, cuddled with it and everything, I hopped out of it, and uh, I'm not being enlightened or, and I'm not even, trust me, I'm not condemning it, but I'm just saying for me, I'm not being fed. Somebody else may need it, somebody else may enjoy it and get something out of it, but you know, I like I like the kind of uh, hip hop that I make, and uh, I love my brother's skill. You know, I love how he puts the words together and everything. So I, I do appreciate it, but I don't I don't run to pretty much anything. So to even to piggyback off of that, what you're saying, if you had an opportunity, like you see a, a young rapper in the game, and you have like 10 seconds before his entourage pulls him away, what word of advice would you give him? Be true to yourself. I would tell him to whatever you say, whatever uh, uh, you're putting out, whatever fingerprint that you're putting on this world, believe in it. Be willing to die for it. And if you ain't willing to die for it, then what is you really saying? Because I have a great catalog with some of the hardest rhymes. I'm not willing to die for none of that. I ain't willing to die for none of that. And it made me a lot of money. I ain't willing to die for it or give my life for it. I'll speak it, I'll talk the slang and diddy bop and all of that. I'm not willing to die for none of that. Uh, this word of God and the stuff that I'm on now, oh, absolutely, in the blink of an eye. If I had to die to tell someone else the truth, then that's what it's just gonna be. What's easier to write, the coke raps or what you write now? I still, it's really no different. Like, I'm just not glorifying it. I just, there's a, a, a way to do everything and I just tell the truth and the things that I've seen. I don't like positive music. Don't tell me nothing about positivity. I don't want to hear nothing positive. You know, I'm not for the conscious rap and all of that. Um, when, I, when, when I was all into hip hop, I wanted to hear it raw and uncut. I do not have time for a positive message, so I definitely get that. But the world is raw in itself. So you can tell that story and it still be just as raw. You know, it ain't, it, it ain't nothing more raw and more bloody than Jesus Christ on the cross. Ain't nothing pretty about that. Nothing. So, you know, you can still do the same thing. Yeah. Thank you. The industry what? People. Okay. People, right? Okay. What? What? 
have come out the industry. I've been having terrible dreams for the past going on 10 years. Every night without fail. Wife waking me up in the middle of the night. Always around the three o'clock hour, always. But I'm not here to get spooky with you. I'm just telling you the truth. Ever since I left the industry, Ever since, is anybody familiar with that at all? You are, you are, my man right here. This is a real, my man right, listen, this is a real thing. This is a very, very real thing. And I talk about that when I feel it's welcomed. You know what I'm saying? I don't just go start telling what I be seeing. But I even have a videotape of, it's so crazy. My wife says to me, one day, she says, you do so much. She said, am I doing enough? Are you getting enough help? I said, yes. I said, I'm, you know, you're doing perfect. You know, everything I need, everything I want. I'm great. I thank you for everything, right? But she checks on me like that. So it hit me at that point. I said, you know what? I said, when you see me in these, in these dream attacks, I said, if you happen to have your phone by you, don't, because she wakes me up instantly. She don't even let me suffer through it. When, you know, if, if I cry out and, you know, she'll wake me up instantly. I said, if you happen to have your phone by you and you can catch it, then catch it. You know, don't go through no extra length, but if you catch it, you know, catch it. Easter Sunday, three in the morning, she catches me and, and just filming me. And after she got enough, she woke me up. When I saw what it was, you can even hear me talk. And it's like I'm talking under my breath and I'm saying the precious blood of Jesus Christ because I'm calling because I'm getting attacked by a demon. I even remember the dream. I couldn't move and it was this thing beside me, but I was paralyzed. I don't know if you even heard of sleep paralysis. I, I don't know. See, everybody's looking at me, but there are people in the audience shaking their head. This is a very, very real thing. So when people start talking about me going back to rap and doing this, they don't know what I've seen, what I am seeing, and they don't even know the degree of suffering that I have been through. So it's not like, how can you turn down that music? It, listen, you seen what I see, <laughs> you know, you, gonna, you definitely gonna get it. And I, and I have it, I have it on my phone, yeah. I think I think uh, you are well within your right to to guard yourself. I think if you uh, wholeheartedly forgive, then that's what you do. You truly forgive. You have to really check yourself to make sure you within yourself aren't uh, holding any grudges. But I, I think I, I think it's it's legal if you say, hey, you know, you you want to keep them at a at a safe distance. Are we talking about a lover, maybe? Uh, 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 oh, a friend? I'm just trying to get an idea. Family? So why why would you feel the need to keep them at a distance? I, I was thinking like, so maybe you wouldn't get emotionally tied to them. Like, let's say, like, you don't really mess with 
Right. Hey, I mean, there are consequences for things that are done. So if you just don't feel the exact same way about them that you once did, there are consequences. But and I think it says a lot about you uh, that you're willing to forgive, and I believe that you have forgiven that person. But I don't, I don't think you have to cuddle with them. I don't believe that. You know, just but but just check yourself to make sure within yourself, have I really forgiven them? And maybe, maybe. I don't have the answer, so I ain't acting like I got the answer. But maybe if maybe true forgiveness means, you know, you overlook it, maybe you should be able to start again. I don't know. You know, you have to look within yourself. I, I wish I had the exact answer, but I, I really don't. I think that's a great question. Yeah. My man. Sorry. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, big fan. Thank um, you. I was just wondering, what was your relationship to fear like? To fear? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I, w I was definitely uh, fearful. I definitely had uh, anxiety a lot of times, um, and, and really couldn't even pinpoint it a lot of times. But once again, it is the word of God that I stand on. See, because I truly believe uh, God. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Like I really do believe this. I'm just not talking. So when I opened the book and the book. Bible says God does not give us the spirit of fear. I truly believe that. Like, I ain't second guessing it. I ain't like, are you sure? I believe he is the creator and when he, what he says goes. A lot of people say the truth will set you free, but the Bible says the truth that you know will set you free. So before, I didn't know that. But now that I know that and I trust in him, now all I got to do is look at what he says. And I believe. Also, the Bible tells me to be anxious for nothing. You know, so I don't have to ha have anxiety. I don't have to walk around being careful in, in this. The Bible tells me be anxious, not for some things or a few things. It says be anxious for nothing. And in all things, supplication and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. So once I, whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm looking for, whether it be a job promotion or whatever, this and that, da da da, da I am to talk to the Lord, tell him what I need, ask him for what I need. And if it is in line with him, once I do that, then I have to leave it alone. I can't sit there, keep worrying about it, worrying what's going to happen. I've stated my request, and I was thankful for the things that uh, he's already done for me. Hey, Alex. Um, I think it's actually really a good segue from his question to my question. Can you speak to what it was like to give up control over your life, to let go of the ego God and grace? Okay, yeah, great. Because I'm, I'm that kind of person. I have to be in control of everything. But the Lord stripped me of everything. He was literally spanking me. Like, you know, just, just losing things. Uh, in my mind, my health, uh, my money, you know, uh, friends. So it wasn't, it wasn't me letting go. He had to really strip me and then... I, I saw how I could function without those things. And then that was his way of, of, I guess I would say, training me or teaching me. He just straight took it from me. Now I have to function. I, uh, for so long, these things were my identity. I was this, I was that, I'm big, I'm bad, I'm everything, you know. So it, it wasn't so much me letting go of my ego. I was stripped of my ego. And then, you know, in his word, helped build me back up. Yeah. Alta, this is your anniversary. Yeah. 
sexual images, and hell, like just the violence and stuff on TV, and everything's kind of just increasing. I feel like it kind of desensitizes a lot of people from putting out stories and like their real experience and that raw experience. So I'm trying to figure out a way to still kind of dig into my experiences, my trauma, and the trauma of like my community, and still be able to bring that in a real sense of kind of scaring people with that realm of trauma. So my question to you is, how would you, how would you go about really taking the time to craft that, that, that right See, that's where you run into a problem trying to satisfy <laughs> the majority or trying to satisfy anybody um, with any kind of trauma or anything that you have been through. And as far as warding off people or scaring people, it has been my experience that when I opened up about the things that I was going through, a lot of people, it was like a breaking of the ice. And, and a lot of people have come to me and say, hey, you know, I felt the same way or I thought I was the only one uh, going through it. And once again, I have to take it back to the Bible. And the Bible says, Satan is defeated by the blood of the lamb and by the power of our testimony. So we have to tell what is going on in our lives because the enemy wants you to Deal with it by yourself. Don't tell anyone else about it. He wants to keep you isolated. He wants to keep you in shame. So it is our duty and job to tell about the things. Take your cool off and, and talk about you know the things that you're going through. And uh, no matter how traumatic, somebody else definitely needs to hear it. If you feel like your sock game is getting kind of boring, you know what I mean? Wearing that same old out of the package eight, eight in a pack sock packs, man, you need to step your sock game up. Check out my people at Six Socks Toronto. If you want to know how to get onto them, check them out on Twitter or Instagram at Reed underscore Craig. That's R-E-I-D underscore C-R-A-I-G. Six Socks Toronto. That's what's up.